You're listening to the Catholic Fragments Podcast, where we explore the treasures of Catholicism, the fullness of truth revealed in Jesus Christ and His Church. I'm your host, Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and I invite you to join me in gathering up the fragments of the truth that sets us free. Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. James, chapter 4. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you of two minds. Begin to lament, to mourn, to weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. James, pray for us. St. Ignatius Loyola, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Catholic Fragments Podcast. I'm Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and what a gift to return to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola, lifting a brief excerpt from the second week of the exercises on the topic of humility. What does it mean to be humble? We heard in the opening prayer from the letter of St. James that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Yet the virtue of humility seems to be so elusive for human beings, even for the would-be followers of Christ. So in order to gain more understanding about humility and greater motivation to live it, let us turn to the reflections of St. Ignatius Loyola in his spiritual exercises, again from week two. This passage, which is all about what he calls three ways of being humble. So this is really interesting. Whenever a saint is saying, okay, there's three ways to be humble, there's three ways to love, there's three ways to sacrifice, whatever it is, we want to know, oh, what are these three ways? And I want to strive for the best one, (laughs) the most superlative. And so that's what we have here. St. Ignatius giving us three different ways of being humble, and each way he describes is more radical than the previous one. And he begins with something pretty radical. (laughs) So we have not only a redoubled radicality of humility, but a tripled radicality of humility described by St. Ignatius Loyola. So the first way of being humble, he says, is necessary for eternal salvation. Okay, so if we want to be saved... We have to be humble. Salvation requires humility. Humility which is brought about by the gift of God. 
by God's intervention in the life of the creature, namely by God's grace, by the power of the third person of the Most Holy Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, God makes us humble. God grants us humility. But he says humility itself, and even this very first way, is necessary for eternal salvation. And he says it consists in this, I so lower and humble myself as far as in my power that in all things I may be obedient to the law of God our Lord. Dios nuestro Señor, God our Lord, that I may be obedient to his law. What is his law? The twofold law of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And second, love your neighbor as yourself. These two great commandments, Jesus indicates, sum up the whole law, the prophets, all the, the heart of the Torah, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. But yes, living according to the Ten Commandments, not violating these precepts of God, which are both come from natural law and divine revelation. He says, consequently, even though others would make me Lord of all the creatures in the world, or even though to save my temporal life, I would not enter into deliberation about violating a commandment, either human or divine, which binds me under mortal sin. Wow, whoa, what is he saying here? So he's saying I would not enter into deliberate committing a mortal sin. This is the first way of being humble, that I so lower and humble myself as far as in my power that in all things I might be obedient to the law of God our Lord. And what this means specifically is that I would not even deliberate, not even meditate, not even imagine in my mind, not ruminate over committing a mortal sin, something very serious, very grave. And the church teaches that a mortal sin involves grave matter, full knowledge of what one is doing, and full consent of the will for it to be mortal. And there's all kinds of things that can fall under this category. Grave disrespect and disregard for God and the things of God, his church. Adultery, murder, jeopardizing the health and well-being of another person in a very serious way. Stealing, I mean, all the stuff of the Ten Commandments. Lying, bearing false witness, even coveting one, a neighbor's spouse or things that belong to the neighbor. A covetous, promiscuous, licentious, lustful, concupiscent desire that wells up and overtakes the heart. Pope Francis has written about the distinction of a person who falls into sin and repents and another kind of person who becomes corrupt, inherently corrupt in their heart and starts to live out of these habits of corruption. That's the territory of mortal sin for sure. When a heart not only slips and falls and then repent and then would repent, but a heart that slips and falls and doesn't repent and then continues down a path of greater and greater sin the accumulation of venial sins definitely will lead to mortal sin. Mortal sin, which the church teaches, involves 
uh, a total absence of love in the heart. So to do something so evil would require a total eclipse of the light of Christ in the heart, the love of God in the heart, and the love of neighbor. So St. Ignatius is saying, first of all, that not only would we not commit mortal sin, we wouldn't even think about committing mortal sin. So he's backing it up way back to the sources of temptation. Even what we could call staying away from the temptation of temptation, this is the first way of being humble. And it's so good to meditate on, to ponder this, this way of being humble, to live according to the law of God in all things, to be obedient to God by God's grace, that one would become sanctified and steer clear of actual mortal sin and even thinking in the direction of mortal sin. To hold the reins tightly of one's imagination and pull back on those reins when they start to go bad directions. The first way of being humble. I would not even deliberate committing a mortal sin. Second way of being humble. You might be thinking, wow, that's that's a lot. That's a tall order. That's that's a lot to to live by. Again, all of this is possible because God grants the increase, because God gives us his grace through the sacraments of the church. He's not saying do this by your own power in a self-sufficient way. It's impossible. We need the grace of God to perfect our fallen nature. The struggle we continue to have with concupiscent desire even after baptism. But the second way of being humble, what could this be? He says, it is more perfect than the first. He says, it is what I have when I find myself in this disposition. Okay, this disposition. When the options seem equally effective for the service of God our Lord and the salvation of my soul, I do not desire or feel myself strongly attached to have wealth rather than poverty, honor rather than dishonor, or a long life rather than a short one. Furthermore, neither for all creation nor to save my life would I enter into deliberation about committing a venial sin. Oh my goodness. <laughs> how is this possible? We might wonder, how is this possible? So this is what's called the classic Ignatian spirit of indifference regarding different options before me. So when it comes to making a choice, making a decision, that I have this perfect indifference. I'm like a needle on a gauge that's set right in the middle, leaning neither to the right nor to the left. Perfect indifference. And I don't feel myself strongly attached to even what would seem to be naturally good and desirable, wealth honor, long life, health, he says elsewhere, that I'm not attached to these things, that these things are not what I'm living for. But I'm perfectly indifferent to the will of God the Father playing out in my life, and I'm ready to go with it. I'm ready to yield to the chase of God's will, captivating me, leading me in everything I'm doing, in my life. So I don't get upset when I lose a bunch of money on the car repair. 
when I feel like I got ripped off in that sale, when I feel like I'm dishonored by other people, when I feel like I don't have the respect I deserve, when I feel like I'm forgotten, when I encounter a health issue and I might see my days are numbered or compromised by a new disability. All of these things, even for loved ones. We will the good of people we love, but things happen in, in our loved ones' lives that we can't control. We can't do anything about. We definitely lift up to God in prayer. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration. But at the same time, Ignatius is teaching us to live with the spirit of holy indifference to what the will of God will be in the end. And on top of this, we talked about in the first way of being humble, do not deliberate of committing a mortal sin. Now, do not deliberate about committing even a venial sin. Oh, wow. Like that's not deliberating any sin at all at this point, big or small. Not thinking about sinning, not premeditating sinning, but renouncing every temptation by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. How is this? How is this possible? I think, practically speaking, the church gives us a way for us to be washed again and again, for our hearts to be cleansed, to be purified, to be refined. And this way is the recurring sacraments in the church, for sure. Eucharist and penance, confession, sacrament of reconciliation. Running to these sacraments where we find God beating us there, (laughs) running to us there in the sacraments and us giving into the chase. So receiving penance frequently, receiving the Eucharist frequently, and dealing with the temporal punishment due to sin, uh, the remission of this temporal punishment due to sin, this is the doctrine of indulgences. This is a whole other topic. Maybe I'll do on another podcast, so I won't get into a detail here but all of the criteria for for gaining a plenary indulgence, those prayers of indulgence, those acts of prayer called indulgences of almsgiving, uh, works of mercy, corporal works of mercy, spiritual works of mercy. Uh, Living through all these things, the sacraments, the works of mercy, this way of indulgences, a penitential way of life, will make a person, by God's grace, more and more immune to sin and temptation. So much so that one starts to lose the savor of sin, that betraying savor of sin. One begins to lose taste for it. It becomes insipid, it becomes bitter, the bitterness is recognized far in advance. And one is able to decline temptation after temptation because of God's grace operating in the soul uh, at a very high fervor. So that's the second way of being humble. And yet there is one more. That builds on the first and second. The third way of being humble, St. Ignatius says, is the most perfect and consists in this. 
when I possess the first and second ways, and when the options equally further the praise and glory of God, you know, the options of a decision I have before me, in order to imitate Christ our Lord better and to be more like Him here and now, I desire and choose poverty with Christ poor rather than wealth. I desire and choose contempt with Christ, laden with it rather than honors. Even further, I desire and choose to be regarded as a useless fool for Christ, who before me was regarded as such rather than as a wise or prudent person in this world. Okay, wow, wow, wow. This is the third way of being humble. So in all Ignatian discernment, it's all about choosing what would give greater praise and glory to God our Lord. Always choosing that. But he's saying, when I see that, there's equal options before me that give what seems to be equal praise and glory to God. Let me go with imitating Christ better, being more like him here and now, by choosing poverty rather than wealth, contempt rather than honors, and wanting to be regarded as a useless fool for Christ in this world. You could say a clown of God, a clown of God, an imitation of Christ, who before me was regarded as a fool, as a useless servant as a pariah, an outcast, a marginalized man, a suffering servant. May I choose to live like this with Christ. Okay, so this logic, this progression of the three ways of being humble, we see the life of a saint coming into sharper relief and a life of heroic virtue, how it thinks, what it desires, wants to be united with Christ so perfectly. And this all by the grace of God. And it's a careful discernment in this life. Once you're in a certain state of life that is sealed by a permanent election, as he would call it, also in the second week of the spiritual exercises, say marriage, religious life, consecrated life, diocesan priesthood, permanent diaconate, different things like this where it's no longer a question if I'm a married man, should I be married or not? Yes, you're married. You should be married. You should stay married to the same person till you die. That's the vow, the wedding vow, till death do we part. I promise to be faithful to you in good times and in bad. Even if I wish the times would be would be more good than bad, <laughs> you know, with things that a married couple will go through. It can be really difficult adapting to all the various seasons of life, uh, in good times and bad, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do we part. So all the permanent states of life, again, religious life, taking vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, diocesan priesthood, taking vows of, of chastity and obedience to the bishop, um, consecrated life, also vows of evangelical counsels, all these various states of life. 
it's, it's not a question of what one should do in that, that permanent state of life. But again, as far as where to work, where to live, how to, how to swing things in family life and all these different things, uh, how to minister, how to minister as a married couple, all these things require a whole lot of discernment. And oftentimes there seems to be at least two options that are, that are equally great in terms of bringing praise and glory to God. For example, even generally between the contemplative life and the active life. And, and how to, you know, there's Carmelites, there's poor Claire nuns, there's Carthusians, there's desert hermits, you know, there's a radical monastic way of life. And then there's, there's mendicant ways of religious life, Franciscans, Dominicans, and so on. And, and there's married life, and there's different things going on within a family. There's diocesan priesthood, there's all these different ways of life, consecrated life, a life of celibacy. And so, what to do? This is for ongoing prayerful discernment. But St. Ignatius in this third way of being humble is saying something really specific and really concrete. It's a striving for poverty, contempt, and to be counted as a fool in this world. To desire that, it's amazing. It's astounding. And it's only by the merciful grace of God that this is really made possible. Not only saying from my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord by the Holy Spirit at work within me. Not only praying in the Our Father to God the Father, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But to want to go to the distance, to go the distance with Christ all, to, all the way to Calvary, to Golgotha, to be among St. Mary, St. John, the other saintly women at the foot of the cross who went with him all the way, all the way there. This is what St. Ignatius seems to be getting at, and it's very incredible what he's saying. The demands of the gospel are great indeed, and as Jesus says in the gospel, to the one who has been entrusted with much, much is required, much is demanded, much is expected. So to end this meditation on the three ways of being humble from the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius Loyola, I want to close with a very beautiful prayer called the Litany of Humility. You might be familiar with this already, but to pray it every time, one has to take a deep breath and, and really surrender oneself into this, this pathway of humility that does go all the way to the cross. So let us pray once again in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. 
from the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. So may we seek the grace of God to make us humble, even if it involves undergoing further humiliation in our tendency of self-assertion in our lives. And may we unite ourselves to the humility of Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. Thank you for joining me on the Catholic Fragments podcast, where you are equipped to think toward the whole, to pray from the heart, and to live as a witness.